This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Logan Ryan, what a highly advanced 19-year-old. Logan is the co-founder of AdU, the social media startup based in Boston. AdU is the app considered to be the newest innovation in social media, whose purpose is to more easily facilitate the process of exchanging information with those who you meet. With the touch of a button, you can receive the person who you've just met's phone number and social media links, turning a 10-minute exchange into 10 seconds. Within the first seven months of release, the app was in 31 countries, including Australia. How phenomenal. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Logan in New York City and learning of his journey and his story to becoming a young entrepreneur. Take a listen. Logan, welcome to The Peers Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me. Of course. So, you know, I was introduced to you by way of your business partner, Philip, and, you know, he was very enthusiastic and very interested in having you guys come on board the podcast. Um, but when I got to Skype with you um, we and we had a discussion about your business and what you were doing, I became very intrigued um, by what you've created. And I think even more importantly, how young you are and the right. fact that you've created something. Um, so you're 20, 21? 19. 19. There yeah. you go. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Love it. Um, so before we get into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found has been very insightful and revealing. Mm-hmm. And that is, what did you love to do as a child? And has that in some way impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? As a child, um, I was really big into sports. I was a really big child athlete. Um, and maybe that whole team environment, maybe that kind of brings into the whole add you, you know, teamwork, bring people together kind of, you know, that whole message. Yeah. Okay, nice. So what sports did you play? I played football, baseball, and pretty wow. much everything, but football okay. and baseball were the main two. Yeah, nice. Were you a leader in any of those sports? or? Yeah, I was a captain on a bunch of my baseball teams. Uh, we went to the World Series. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and then football, yeah, too. Hmm. Same thing. So what did you learn being a leader of a, of a sporting team? Now, obviously, you're, you're a leader in your business. so. Right. Um, I guess... Team management is the biggest thing, and getting different personalities to work together is the biggest thing that I could draw from probably football. Um, you get a lot of different 
types of guys on the team. And in order for you to be successful, um, everyone has to be working together. And that's the same exact thing in business. And I found the same thing in AdU, you know, our company now. Um, all of us don't have the same personality. All of us don't have the same ideas. But once we bring that all together, that's the best part of our business. Mm. And once we can get all those different minds working in the same direction, not working together, but working in the same direction, that's when we're most successful. Okay. So give me an example of when you were coaching, at, or sorry, when you were yeah. a leader and, you know, you realized that one person was good at one thing, someone else was good at something else. How did you formulate that? How did you put that together to, to work best for the team? Right. So you would find that you had guys who were leaders. You had a lot of guys who were leaders and a lot of guys who just kind of wanted to be told what to do. So in football, we had three different parts. You know, I played defense. So we had the linemen, the linebackers, and the secondary. So you needed to have at least one leader in the linemen, one leader in the linebackers, one leader in the secondary, and then one leader to bring it all together. So the biggest thing that I learned was the different sub-levels and, you know, how to bring the sub-levels together. So... Okay, nice. So did you, did you ever find that people went against your leadership and went, no, you know, I want to do it my way or, you know, I'm, did you ever find that tension and how did you deal with that? Yeah, absolutely. And you find the same thing in business, you know, you find it everywhere. Um, at the end of the day, everybody has, to, everybody has to agree for it to work and you just have to get that into people's head. You know, once everyone understands that you got to listen to somebody at some point in time, it works out a lot better. Um, not everyone can be a leader all the time. Everyone's going to be a leader at some point, but not 24-7. So once everyone kind of compromises, it's the best thing. How do you get people to compromise? You know, when someone's going, well, I want to do it my way, you know, how do you kind of just get them on board your side? So I guess that kind of ties into learning from your failures because you, you kind of learn uh, – if they don't tie into somebody or listen to somebody and everybody's off in the different directions, you know, you kind of fail at something and you go back to the drawing board and say, okay, now who do we listen to? We did this wrong and okay. Mm. Okay. I see. Very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I, I want to now go into your, you've been like a lead, it kind of ties into what you're talking about. You've been a leader and a manager from when you were in high school, I'm guessing maybe when you were 16, yeah. your first job as a groundskeeper. Yeah. Um, so I'm very interested to hear about that yeah. um, because you you did lead a team of six, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, give me a bit of a background on that experience and right. what it taught you, again, about management and leadership. Yeah, so I guess grounds crew was probably my first job. Um, fun job, worked with a bunch of my friends, but... A lot of different personalities, a lot of different guys. Um, yeah, so I led a little grounds crew for softball fields, a town facility. And we would basically prep the fields and run the fields for tournaments. And, uh, you know, just getting things done quick between games was what we had to do. And that's really where I got my start in management and leading and, you know, almost working with a team. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What were some of the challenges you found early on that you had to cope, overcome personally? Uh, personally, the biggest challenges were me learning when to be a follower, not a leader. Me learning when to, you know, let someone else's voice be heard and when to follow and, you know, when to speak up. That was definitely my biggest. Mm. Can you give us an example of a scenario where that happened? I know it's a long time ago now. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know if grounds crew is necessarily the best example for that, but okay. um, yeah, I don't think grounds yeah, crew is okay. a good example for That's that. That's cool. Yeah. That's right. What is a good example that you could that you can okay. give us? Yeah. yeah. Um, in baseball, so I was a left fielder. Um, the center fielder always has priority over the left fielder when there's like a pop fly. So I was always a pretty aggressive person. Um, I always liked to go after the ball. It was always my ball as soon as the ball was in the air. And uh, I guess a little learning experience for me was we were in a state championship game. And well, I'll use the shortstop for the example, but he called the ball and I just didn't realize it. I just didn't pay attention to it. It was just my ball when it went up. So we were in a state championship game. He was coming back. I was coming forward and we wound up colliding. He wound up getting injured pretty bad. But oh, no. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We learned that one pretty quick. Okay. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Yes. Okay. There you go. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. So you also had another role when you were in high school and that was the manager at K- Kayak Shack. Kayak Shack, yeah. Yeah. What is that company? I saw, you know, you were you were in charge of executing money transfers of excess of twenty thousand yeah. dollars when you're in high school. Yeah. Like that's kind of unheard of. Yeah. Talking a bit about that role, what is the company and who gave you the chance to be able to do that? Absolutely. So I actually still work at the kayak shack doing that. Um, so I started off, um, I believe, my sophomore year of high school. Um, it's a small family-run business, uh, the Stallard family. Um, Basically, their manager, Julian, uh, hired me, brought me on just as a beach assistant, just to kind of tell people what they're doing. Um, And I just kind of started taking on more and more roles. And, you know, as I came back throughout the years and we hired new staff, you know, I was training new staff and I just tried to really excel at anything I was doing there. So when he saw that, he uh, just kept giving me more tasks, more priorities. And yeah, he decided that I was ready for it, even though I was in high school. Sure. Okay. So how did you get the job in the first place? Um, through some random connections. Okay. Um, I think it was like a family friend knew Bo, who was the owner. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. wow. So talk to me a bit about, I found that really interesting what you mentioned about you started training on new staff. So, yeah. you know, you're probably the youngest in the team. Mm-hmm. And once again, taking up that role that, you know, you totally could have sat back and just yeah. let someone else where does that confidence and I guess self-assurance come from and how how do you think you got it at such a young age how do you think it developed at such a young age right yeah um I would attribute a lot of that to how I was raised um a lot of that's from my father he's just a very headstrong you know outgoing individual and he kind of raised me that way so you know I was always taught, you know, if you're good at something, doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter anything else, just go ahead and do it and excel at it. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) What does your dad do? Uh, So my dad works for AT&T. He's a salesman for AT&T. Yeah. Has he been that his whole whole life? Yeah, I think he's 30 years with AT&T. It was his first job and he's still there. So again, that goes back to, you know, if you're doing something you think you're doing it good, you'll just keep going and going. You know, he started in a call center and now he's in some management VP position. So yes. starting from the call center, keep excelling at your job and you'll get rewarded. Yeah, wow. So what does he think of you um, pursuing something like a startup? Yeah. And, you know, he's probably got more of a traditional mindset um, being in that one job for 30 years. And, you know, I see that you've started something so young. I don't really imagine you to be to be that kind of person going forward. What does he think about what you're doing with Adieu? 
So he's always supportive of anything I'm doing, but he absolutely does have different views mm. than I do. Um, he's been in, you know, the corporate world his entire life, and not really the you know little startups. Um, so when I first mentioned to it him to like about our business, he was pretty you know hesitant. Um, he just a lot of questions, stuff like that. But after I explained it to him, um, you know, he is proud of it, and he does you know. Um, he supports it, but he still is just in his corporate <laughs> mindset, I would say. Do you ever see yourself going into a corporate role from here on? I'm not too sure yet. I hope not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Me too, to be right. honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, again, I, you know, add you is my main focus right now. And that's what I want, yeah. you know, for my career to be. Nice. Absolutely. Wow. So let's go into add you. Absolutely. What what is it about? How did it come about? And why do you feel like you're so connected to it? Okay. So AdU, basically, um, it's a smartphone app to start, um, Apple and Android devices. Basically, both users have a QR code. You scan each other's QR code, and as soon as that's done, you have each other's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, email, and phone number. Yeah. So once you're scanned, um, you can click through and it'll take you directly to the app. Basically, the goal is to eliminate the hassle and awkwardness of meeting someone new and take a 10-minute information exchange and bring it to a 10-second exchange. Um, it came about after our college orientation. So our founding team, we're all uh, Bentley University students, and we decided that our orientation, uh, we found a lot of kids we're hesitant to go up and meet new people face to face because it is a 10 minute exchange and it's just lengthy and it is awkward. So we said, okay, why don't we create an app that can you know, facilitate this process? And that's when the idea started and the team formed and the app formed from there. I love your outlook and the way you think because for you it's like, if there's a problem, course we're going to be, fix it right. you know that that progression you're like we saw a problem and then we fixed it right. not many people have that especially at your age how did that develop was once again and what advice would you give to you know our peers listening who potentially have a good idea but they don't have necessarily have the same mindset that you have what would you say to them I would say don't be afraid that's my biggest thing um None of us had any experience with tech startups. Um, Phil had some experience with some other startups, but none of us had real experience with apps. And all of us were like, okay, how are we gonna do this? You know, we went you know, head on and we weren't afraid and we just went for it. And here's where we are today, you know? We're in 31 countries in seven months. So, you know, that's my biggest thing. Don't be afraid and it is possible. Just go ahead and do it. Just go for it. Wow. That's awesome. So talk to me about this, how you got it into 37 countries and what's happened since you, right. you launched. So we launched back in September. Um, since then, just like I said earlier, 31 countries. And we haven't really done too much to promote it yet. We haven't done any paid advertising. Basically, the reception of the app has been great. Everyone knows that there is an issue and everyone sees that it's the solution. So as soon as they see the app, nobody's hesitant to download it or hesitant to use it. So being in the App Store, in the Google Play Store, people just stumble upon it and they say, this is a great idea, I'm gonna download this. 
So cool. Is it in Australia yet, by any chance? It is. Awesome. Yeah. Wow, there you go. There you go. Listeners out there, download the app. Yeah. Okay, so very interesting. So talk to me a bit about the early challenges you had when you came up with the idea, you were very, all very passionate about it and you wanted to do it. What was your first kind of like annoying moment or a challenge that you faced? Challenges. I would say the first challenges were being a bunch of broke college students trying to fund an app. Um, we're all self-funded, so this is all off wow. of our summer job, stuff like that. So maybe that was the first eye-opener to all of us. That was probably our first. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you do that? How did you still live and yet <laughs> able to build the app? Yeah. Um, we all have part-time jobs, yeah. and yeah, that supports it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. And so then from there, when you got the funding, what then happened? Um, so we hired programmers to uh, do all the programming for our apps. And then originally we launched into the Apple Store in, I believe, December. After that, we built our Android version and our website. Hmm. Yeah. What was that building process like? Where one of you guys, you said you don't really have much background in tech. Right. How did you guys do that? So it was a very tedious process for sure. Um, basically, we would tell them what we want and we kept getting back different beta versions of the app. And all these beta versions, every single time, had something wrong with it, something wrong with it. So it took months and months and months of every day just going through the same app over and over again and just looking for bugs and looking for bugs. And after a while, when you look at the same app, hundreds and hundreds of times, it gets a little bit repetitive. <laughs> I can only imagine yeah. that. Thank God your vision was very strong. It kept you going. Yeah. So how did you split the time between mm-hmm. – that's actually another major thing I realized with you. You're still at uni and you have a part-time job and you're creating an app. How do you time manage that? Yeah. Um, we're all very busy people, you know. <laughs> that's all I can really say. Um, between going to school, uh, most of us working around 40 hours a week, and then the app too, not a lot of free time. Um, we learned – you know, what we're going to sacrifice for the app and how to balance certain things. You know, maybe we're not hanging out with our friends as much anymore. Um, but if this is something that we want to do, then we decided that we need to be full tilt on it. And, you know, those are sacrifices we were willing to make. Mm. What personally for you did you sacrifice? Um, I probably sacrificed a little bit of social life, social time, um, which I don't regret at all. Um, in the moments, it is tough. But um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, I hope that's something, you know, five years down the road when the app's super successful that I can look back and laugh at with my friends, you know? Um, Yeah. Do you think it helps working with your friends on the app? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the three guys, um, Phil Toshi, James Mountain, and Levi Shindell, uh, all great guys. Uh, We all get along pretty well. So it definitely helps. I definitely became closer with those three guys. Um, They became some of my closer friends. What do you think it teaches you when you work so closely with people about like human relationships and human connection? What do you think that teaches you? Hmm. I would say just, you know, the importance of time. You know, wherever you invest your time, that relationship is going to grow. And I think that's the same thing with you know, a lot of different things. You invest your time in the app, the app's going to grow. You invest your time in sports, you're going to be good at sports. Um, but I invested my time in the relationship with these guys because we're all working on it so much, and our relationship grew. 
So what do you think, another, I'm just curious to unpack this a bit further. So obviously your, you know, ti- your time management's awesome. You understand the fact that you're investing in certain things that are valuable to you. But how do you, give us like a strategy that you use to manage your time. So let's, let's just like pick a day, you know, what does that day look like and how do you stop yourself from getting really stressed and maybe anxious that everything's going to get done, you know, talk to me about that. So I'm a big pen and paper guy. Um, (laughs) I have a big paper calendar and I'm very organized with my time. Um, I even work in like Netflix breaks. I work in, (laughs) I work in nap breaks in to the minute. So um, that's the best way I've found when it's not, when I don't do that, it gets overwhelming and stressful because you have all these things you need to do where, as I've found, if I write them out and I can just check them off throughout the day and I know when I'm going to get them accomplished, uh, you know, I get it done better. Mm. Do you often find that, I mean, me personally, I've, I've done the whole kind of spreadsheet thing and like per hour. And then sometimes I'm in you know, the middle of writing, just to say, preparing for someone's interview and I get really into the person and their background. And then for some reason, you know, I don't want to, st- it goes past my time limit, but I don't actually want to stop because I'm on a roll. What happens then? Like, you know, doesn't your whole day go out of whack? How do you deal with that? So that's the beauty of it. Can't, <laughs> I guess, right. You can't account for it. And, uh, yeah. You just got to wing it after that. You yeah. know, some days I'll be working on the app and, you know, I'll make some real progress and, you know, got to skip some, skip some things later in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know that the flexibility is still there yeah. in your structure. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. So I think another thing, actually another experience that you had, which really intrigued me was, um, so you coached for about, I think it was about five months. You coached, um, disabled students, mm-hmm. um, in and it was a basketball team and you were a part of that team and you also coached them. So firstly, how did you get involved in this? And secondly, you know, what, where did that desire come from to get involved in this? Yeah. So originally it started, uh, one of my older friends, he was part of a program called, uh, safe sports. Sports are for everyone. Uh, it's now called high five sports. Um, but this program, um, basically, you're a volunteer, you come into a gym and you're playing basketball with disabled students. Um, you're their coach and you're their mentor. So that eventually stemmed into later in high school, uh, New York State started a unified basketball program, which is, it is like a true sports team, so um, real championships, everything like that. And the goal is to create um, like competitive sports games for these students and a real experience. So when I heard of that, you know, that was something I had experience with. I had experience with all these kids. Um, I built a bond with them. That was something I absolutely wanted to be in. So I contacted the coach who was the head of that, and I wound up being one of the captains of that team. Yeah, wow. What was that like, that experience? Yeah, Yeah, so that was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had. Um, You know, being an athlete myself, it made me a lot more grateful. You sit there and you get frustrated when, say, you don't make a shot. These kids are ecstatic when they hit the rim. Um, And just learning to find the pleasure in little things and just seeing how much it means to these kids was incredible. Yeah. Wow. So apart from taking away, apart from being grateful, Mm. was there 
even in like a men- mentality shift for you after that experience, did you kind of, was there something else that came out of it as well as bit that gratefulness? I would say I was more driven. Wow. Um, in my uh, sports games and everything else, you know, I decided that I was blessed. You know, I see what these kids go through and how they're able to make their, you know, lives in such hard situations, you know, how they're able to enjoy it. Um, I came out driven and I decided that, you know, I was going to use the gift that I was blessed with. So mm. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. So what, what does the future look like for you in your head? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're so young, <laughs> like you know, you've done so much. You've right. obviously got so much still to come. What does it look like for you? What do you, yeah. So I'd absolutely love to continue with that, Um I really hope that takes off in the reception. You know, I hope we keep getting such a great reception. Um, so I want to keep working with that. I really believe in it and I really do love it. Um, on top of that, I love just being an entrepreneur in general. So. My next venture I kind of want to start is some non-for-profit, something around along those lines, and probably something with uh, you know disabled students, stuff like that. You know, bringing back my past experiences and you know, just that's where my background is. So yeah, wow, that is awesome. Yeah, wow, this has been you know so engaging and so insightful as I thought it would be. so I just want to take a moment to congratulate you and your team, Logan. Thank you. I mean, you've done a phenomenal job and, you know, you've got so much still to, still to come and I'm very excited for you guys. Um, so I think my second last question to you would be, what does it feel like to be a young entrepreneur who is on their own time, who is making a tangible impact in the world? You know, what, and you know, he's working with their best friends to do it. Right. What does that feel like? I mean, it's the greatest feeling in the world. Um, you can't beat it. Um, knowing you're making a change in the world and doing it with people you enjoy, um, I can't explain it. Um, you know, I'm sure you feel it too with your business, right? Um, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Um, well, great. So, I mean, you know, yeah, I just want to. I just want to thank you for taking the time to yeah. to to come down, come down to New York and and speak with us. Um, Absolutely, thank I'm you. Sure many people will be very inspired by your story. I am. I so, so it's it's super good. Um, so my last question to you would be, so it's how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers Project, and that is, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I would say the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about is being able to enjoy every day. Um, that's the most valuable thing for me. Um, when I'm working on the app, working with my team, um, you know, I don't hate work. Um, being able to wake up every morning and really enjoy it, that's the most valuable part, absolutely. Yeah, awesome. Great. So, yeah, this is, just makes an awesome end to our <laughs> conversation today. So where can people learn more about you and the app? Yeah, absolutely. So the app is in the Google Play Store and the App Store. On top of that, you can visit our website at aduapp.com. And those would probably be the best spots. Perfect. Great. For everybody listening, we'll end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe 
to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played. And leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>